The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is Leslie Stedman. Leslie is a registered nurse and a certified sexual health educator. And this week we're talking about sex, spirituality, creativity, intuition, marriage. Oh, let's just go there. I connected with Leslie over the phone. She was at home in Nanaimo, BC. So Leslie, tell me, how does your sexual life influence your spiritual life and vice versa? Uh, good question, Carmen. I, I firmly believe and come from the place that your sexual life and your spiritual life are inseparable. Your sexual life permeates every part of your being. So if we look at something from a holistic lens, your emotional health, your spiritual health, mental health, physical health, you cannot separate sexuality from any parts of those your sexual force is this really vital life force that runs through you. And when we suppress that or we acknowledge it or we have any kind of shame surrounding that, it's going to show up somewhere else. So if we have some shame happening around our sexual life, it's going to show up in our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And if we're not, like, when I talk about intimacy, I share I talk about intimacy not as like penetration during intercourse. I talk about it as an emotional closeness. So if there's any kind of friction around intimacy or incongruency, it will show up in our sexual life mm. and it will be very echoed in our spiritual life. So really it's about tapping into that vital life-giving force that mm. we're all born with. This is this innate, potent, creative energy that's just our cultural inheritance seems to be having very, very taboo conversations around it. And it's, it's acknowledging that that's happening and slowly taking that taboo off and claiming ownership about how sensuality and sexuality shows up in our life and really, really tapping into that vital life force. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was at an event recently where Davy Ward, the tantric counselor, do you know her? David, yeah, she's fantastic. She's yeah. so funny. Yeah, funny. she's so funny, so <laughs> charismatic. And so she had said that uh, the urge towards sexual pleasure is really about our desire for communion with God. I'm curious about what your thoughts are on that. It sounds like you guys are on the same wavelength there. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, there is an intermingling and a real connection between sex and spirit like what I had just mentioned around this vital life force and when we when we really tap into that force that that sexual energy and especially during the experience of orgasm sometimes we can talk about people experience having people sorry start again we can talk about people experiencing an altered state or a heightened state with orgasm and that's really really tapping into that vital force and 
really an out-of-body experience. And it's really, really, it, it serves us as a glimpse of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And I equate that as communion with God. Mm-hmm. This glimpse of enlightenment, this glimpse of what could be. And most orgasmic states uh, do last just a few seconds, but there are special practices. And like I know Davy teaches a lot around Tantra that can help prolong those enlightened states to have that prolonged communion with God. Because if we just taste it, it's something that we, it's, something it's intriguing we want to know more about it and it's it's amazing what people will do to get to that state just to have that taste just to have that glimpse uh when it shows up for me in my body it's it's almost like an experience of bliss and i know that bliss is attainable and it's it is for me it is a personal communion with god it just is Sexuality is different for every person on, on the planet, their experience. So mm-hmm. some, some people might find that a bit controversial, but it's, I think it's an absolutely beautiful experience of enlightenment. I totally agree with, with her. Yeah. So uh, my husband and I have experimented with all different kinds of, you know, routines in our sexual relationship. And in for one stretch of time, we went for... Uh, 120 days, so four months of having sex every day. And for me personally, orgasm, like, I, I guess for me, it's like, I generally have lots. So I don't feel yearning for it. And I don't really experience it as a glimpse of, of bliss. I, I actually, uh, yeah, like, I, maybe I just sort of take it for granted. But one thing that I noticed after, after having, um, such a consistent and high degree of orgasms over a long period of time (laughs) was that I started to really have lowered inhibitions in terms of what I felt I could do and achieve and accomplish in my life. Like I started to find my guard dropping around my self-limiting beliefs. And I remember having one orgasm where I had the thought that just like popped through my head that I was like, yeah, I could lecture at Google one day. (laughs) (laughs) And it was this like quite transcendent moment of just busting through a personal ceiling and it was so yeah. random, but I was like, that's as close to bliss as I think I can come, is having my inhibitions drop to such a degree that my self-imposed limits started to dissolve. That was pretty cool yeah. <laughs> to say that. Now, so, okay, so I brought up my husband and I, and I, like, I'm just going to be open and vulnerable with you. That's that's your thing. Yeah. I know I can trust you with this. What would you say when you're working as a sexual relationship counselor, like there's always going to be the higher desire partner and the lower desire partner, right? So there's always that tension, even if you're both people who tend to really enjoy and have a passionate, high touch physical relationship, there's always one of you who's the higher desire and the lower desire. Um, How do you know then when you are in a relationship at what point you are um, actually, you know, being good, giving, and gain, like rising up to meet the level 
I'm assuming like I'm a lower mm-hmm. desire partner. So I'm rising up to meet the level of my partner because I'm, I'm giving in relationship. And of course I want for my husband to feel and know my love for him. And sometimes you just got to be like Dan Savage says, good giving in game. Right. Um, <laughs> but how do you know then when you're actually starting to like prostitute yourself, when you're actually not setting the firm boundary, what if you don't really want bliss tonight? Right. Like <laughs> I don't want a communion with God anymore. <laughs> and so how do you coach women to get really clear on the difference and their, their boundaries in a loving, healthy relationship? Yeah, this is an excellent question. This is what most clients come to see me about. I bet. Yes, and it's <laughs> number one, it really being very clear on the intention behind any kind of sexual, sensual contact with a partner. Mm. And when I say that, I mean, when you're talking about good giving and game, it's like, am I... Am I totally up for this or am I just doing it because then I can say that I did it and and keep him at bay for the next week or the next three days? And just really, truly honoring yourself for that. And it goes back to um, your school of thought around intuition. Like, how does this feel in my body? Mm -hmm. And clinically, we call it a discrepancy of desire. And the number one thing to talk about with this is it is not a reflection of how much or how little the partners love each other. Because that tends to come into the equation. Mm-hmm. If you loved me, you would want to have more sexual contact with me. Mm-hmm. If you loved me, you would respect that I wanted to have less sexual contact and more intimate emotional closeness. Mm-hmm. So again, it's, it's sitting down together and saying, stating what's happening and saying, I've noticed that your level of desire is at a three out of a 10. I would identify mine as a seven. And it's causing some friction in our relationship. Is this something that you would like to invest in with me so that we could together, we can move forward and have and work creatively work on something that works for both of us. Mm-hmm. And it's actually just putting it on the table because that's almost half the battle instead of that holding on to that resentment piece. And you brought up a good point, Carmen, around touch, really having a conversation around the intention behind touch. Because if if there's a lower desire partner and say they're um, folding some laundry and the other partner comes around and grabs their bum, they're like, they might get quite rigid because they may say, they're touching my bum, that means they want to have sex. So Mm -hmm. if I even turn around and kiss them or move my hand or move my bum into their hand and show them just a little bit of affection, that means I have sex, have to have sex tonight. And I really don't want to have sex tonight because all I can think about is this gigantic pile of laundry that no one, including this person, has folded for the last two weeks. (laughs) And it turns into this massive story. So sometimes we withhold that affection, which only amplifies the division. So it's being able to look at touch on the form of a continuum, maybe on one end is, is quite healing. Like say we know someone that's been that's grieving, just a hand on the shoulder or a hug can speak volumes or Reiki is very healing. And then we move along, it can be very pardon me, seductive and erotic, and on the far end of the spectrum it can be very harmful and hurtful. 
So just sitting down with a partner and being very clear on the intention of touch between each partner. So the partner that's coming up and saying, putting their hand on the other person's bottom just may say, I just, I love touching you. My love language is touch. It doesn't mean I want to have sexual intercourse, but please let me touch you. I need to feel, I have that, all mammals have this thing called skin hunger. And that's just where we want to reach out and like touch another person. The intention behind it doesn't always have to be sexual. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of it is getting clear on what touch means. Getting clear between the partners on the fact that they do want to move forward with this. And really relying on the intention of why you're there. Am I, am I taking my clothes off to, to satiate my partner when I really don't want to be here? Or am I doing it because I want to be fully present? And desire is one of those things we can't manufacture. Mm-hmm. So we can have things like Viagra. We have a little blue pill men can take, and it will give them a raging erection. But if they don't feel like having intercourse, then they have a raging erection <laughs> <laughs> because we can't des- manufacture that desire piece. Yeah. So it's really getting clear on how we can support each partner in creating that desire in their lives. So that may mean the other person doing that laundry. That may mean giving the female partner really enough time to move through the heart chakra because woman, like that feminine energy tends to move through the heart, that emotional connection that comes with sexual contact. Mm. Whereas the masculine energy tends to just go directly to the genitals. It's a very visual sign that we see. Mm -hmm. And I find too that like, for me, uh, I don't actually require like a lot of foreplay in the act. What I require is a lot of lead time. Like, and, and actually mm-hmm. the sexiest thing for me is solitude. <laughs> like I need time to yearn. I need space to yearn. Yeah. So uh, the, having those gaps where I'm not around my husband, where I'm doing other things, like it gives me a chance to miss him. And then I'm good giving in game in like seconds. I'm zero to 60, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, you actually would love for me to slow down. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but but the, the difficulty comes in, uh, you know, that I love that term skin hunger. He feels it a yes. lot more than I do. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we're always kind of negotiating the understanding. I like that idea of um, coming back to intention. I don't think you yeah. can restate intention too much. You know? oh. And sometimes you can you can play around with that whole like if you have a partner that has the higher level of skin hunger, you can negotiate things like being with them and observing them through self love or masturbation because the intimate connection is there and there may not be a physical penetration. It's just bearing witness to a very intimate event. So it's really negotiating what works for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. So and be, be willing to be creative with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, I like that you brought that up because sexual energy and creative energy are so similar, but it can yeah. really be difficult to cultivate creativity in the course of a busy life. And anybody who, you know, does creative work or works for themselves or is a teacher, you know, has to bring forth new and innovative ways to bring forth their work knows that like it's hard to manufacture that. Um, so what do you say to people that you're counseling who are feeling despairing that like they'll never have a fulfilling sex life because life is just, 
like busy, you know, they've got kids, they've got laundry, they've got, you know, the sports activities. It's just that time of life where there's heightened activity and the calendar is always glaring at you. What's the first tool or skill or mantra that you give people in that situation? The first, the first tool I give to people is to tell them something, uh, a very famous man named Albert Ellis said, which is stop shooting all over yourself. Stop and, shooting all over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we come up against these shits. Like a good mom always has her lunch made the night before. I have fruit flies in my kitchen in the summer. I always have dinner on the table when my husband comes home. I care for others first. It's a cultural inheritance that women have been carrying, carrying, giving down. And really it's stop the shooting. The shoulds don't help anybody, let alone you. And the more you create, the more expectation there is of you. So that's the first thing I recommend is taking a step back and really getting out of your head where all the shoulds live, getting back into your body. So when you're saying, am I getting dinner on the table for 5 p.m. because I should be doing it? Or am I getting dinner on the table for when my partner comes home because it creates an intimate connection between us. His love language is uh, help, is when I provide for him and do and do things for him. And he knows that he is nurtured because I'm nourishing him with good food, good company, and I have time to sit with him when he comes home. Mm-hmm. Or is it because the Joneses up the street are doing it? And now I'm collecting gold stars again. Mm-hmm. I'm collecting all these gold stars to say I did it. But at the end of the day, I don't even know who I am anymore. I've lost touch with what, who I am, what I desire, and what's important to me. Mm-hmm. And that really involves getting out of your head and um, back into where your your expertise is around intuitively knowing the difference mm-hmm. between shooting and intuition. Yeah. How do you experience an intuitive yes in your body and an intuitive no in your body? Like when you're saying get out of my head and get into the body, how does that show up for you? If you're like, yes, this is, this is in alignment or no, this, this feels like a full body. No. Um, a lot of it comes up for me as uh, noise. Number one, noise level to temperature. The an intuitive yes comes up as, I get a nice cold movement right up my body that almost gives me a shiver, like it's this excited shiver. Mm. And of course it comes up the back of my knees and my buttocks and all the way just up the back of my head and the hair back of my neck will stand up. Mm. And intuitive no shows up as a very cold energy on the front of my leg, almost like a resistant, please don't, don't go any further forward. Just don't lean into this, stay back here. And the no tends to come quietly. There's there's no words with it. It's just no is a complete sentence. It just comes up as a no mm. and the coldness. Whereas the yes comes up not like a chatty kind of fear like that feeding into it, but it's a chatty the excitement that comes with the yes. It's just there's there's a lot of energy moving in my body this kind of excited energy and my body chatter that's just saying oh this is going to be delicious I'm glad we're doing it this way (laughs) and just and just when the silence comes I I appreciate that and I used to be quite fearful about that no because I needed a reason and I didn't trust the uncertainty that came with it which was inherently me not trusting 
meet myself or my own judgment. Mm-hmm. Just leaning, like being vulnerable and leaning into that and saying, I don't know why, but I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The answer may or may not come, but it's okay because I trust myself on this one. Yeah, I, I think that's great. That idea that uh, I may not know why, but the answer is no, and I just trust myself. That's a huge breakthrough in terms of trusting our intuition, I think. And Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that idea too that maybe at times we also need to give voice to that. Like, I don't know why, but I just feel like this is a no for me. Like just saying that, you know, or my intuition says that this isn't a good fit for me. I think giving voice to that gives other people permission too to realize that, oh, you know, and we often make decisions and think that we have rational ideas or, you know, reasons for it, but really they're just post hoc rationalizations of an intuitive emotional reaction (laughs) we had anyway. So I think uh, it's very empowering even just to say, I don't know why, but this is just a no, just intuitively, it's a no for me. So Here's my last question. On the Numinous podcast, we always finish with the same question. It's from the Proust questionnaire. So, Leslie, what do you consider perfect happiness? Ooh, perfect happiness I consider as owning and experiencing the most sensual version of myself that I can. Thank you so much for bringing your sensual self to the show and sharing (laughs) today. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Carmen. We talk about real life here on the Numinous Podcast. So don't let a neutral sounding term like discrepancy of desire fool you because that Issue can be a big freaking deal in keeping a relationship together. So I want to thank Leslie for coming on the show and sharing that great term with me because it's a great way to find our way back to neutral territory in uh, what could be a contentious conversation with somebody. Discrepancy of desire, a very nice non-blamey or shamey way to talk about Uh, challenges that we can come up with, with honoring our souls and our spirits, as well as our intimate relationships. Today's show notes can be found on my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. And that's where you'll find out more about Leslie and her movement, The Sensual Sisterhood. I want to thank Leslie for coming on the show, and I want to thank you for listening. In particular, I want to thank... The people who are listening in countries around the world where English is not your first language. So there are listeners of the Numinous podcast in over 44 countries now. I want to thank so much the people in Finland and France and the Netherlands for listening. I really appreciate it. And I also want to just give a little thank you and shout out to Charlene in HK who left a great review on iTunes that said, I now love Thursdays because that's the day the next Numinous episode is released. Hooray! She goes on to say, P.S. My idea of perfect happiness is walking in nature, feeling the ground beneath my feet, smelling clean, crisp air, and listening to you and other spiritual seekers share their stories. Thank you so much, Charlene and HK, for leaving that great review. What do you consider perfect happiness? You know that I ask that at the end of every show. And I would love to hear 
how what you consider perfect happiness. So if you've been thinking that you'd like to leave a review, go ahead and do something creative like Charlene. That was really cool. You know, I was at an event the other day and there was a, a numinous podcast listener there. And when we were talking about the people who are listening from all over the world, she said, you know, it, it usually just feels like it's me and you and the guest sort of hanging out at night. But now when I listen to it, since you've started sharing about people listening all over the world, it occurs to me that I'm having this shared experience with people all over the globe. And uh, I just, I wanted to share that with you because it was such an amazing insight. I often feel like it's just me and, you know, a couple of the listeners who've maybe left reviews. And so I, you know, I think of their names in my mind or, I'm, I feel like I'm just having a conversation with the guest, but when I see that there are listeners all over the world tuning into the Numinous podcast, I really feel collective energy that just, I find it really touching. So thank you. Thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this show, I'd really appreciate your review on iTunes, but more importantly, please share it far and wide so it can reach more seekers like you because you never know who really needs to hear it right now. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, carmenspaniola.com and click the link for the Numinous School, my online intuition development course. And while you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care.